Chapter 8 of Our Western Birds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Western Birds by Elizabeth and Joseph Grinnell. The Belted Kingfisher. This beautiful bird is called the King of the Fishers. It is a resident in all California. It may be seen around inland streams, especially mill races, and along the seacoast. Its head seems to be much too large for its body, but the kingfisher has use for its head, as the woodpecker has good use for his. The woodpecker's head is his hammer for driving his beak into the trees. The head of the kingfisher drives its beak into the water for the fish upon which it lives. The bill of the kingfisher is its pike, with which it captures its food. It is the bird's spear, and it goes straight to the unlucky fish sporting in the water. And the kingfisher's eye is as sharp and strong as its beak, for it is able to see its food through dark and muddy water, as well as in the clearest streams. In no other way can the kingfisher get a living but by fishing. You may be out for a walk with eyes and ears open, and you will see the fisher sitting silently on the limb of a tree by the edge of the water. He does not stir a feather. He scarcely blinks his eyes. He might be a stuffed bird set up on a bough. Suddenly, quicker than your eye can follow, he darts straight into the water head foremost. Now if the king had a head like a thrush or a warbler, he would make a failure at fishing, but his strong, thick skull follows the tip of his beak wherever it goes, and when next you see him, a fish lies crosswise in his mouth. The fish struggles to get away. It has neither beak nor claws to fight its own battles, and can only squirm helplessly. You are sorry for the fish, who has its own good times, free in the water. But you know the little blue king is very hungry, and must be excused for getting his dinner in his own fashion. Straight to the tree he just left flies the king, and you notice the water runs off from his sleek head and back. Never a bit wet gets the kingfisher. His plumage is thick and well-oiled. Once on the tree, the fisherman beats his fish against a branch, as the Phoebe bird and the mocker beat the grasshopper, and the butterfly. We call it a natural death, for both fish and insect. The king is certainly a more merciful fisher than the man who strings his fish and carries them about until they die by slow degrees. When the fish lies limp across his beak, the fisher gives it a toss, and down it goes, whole by way of the bird's thick neck. Later, the bones will come up in hard little pellets. A kingfisher always manages to dive straight down into the water, never at a slant. He may be obliged to fly out a little way to do so, but he comes down straight. We suppose this is to avoid making a shadow on the water. Fish are quick and shy. They are afraid of a shadow. You may see this for yourselves by walking along the banks where minnows are sunning themselves in the clear water. If you are between the fish and the sun, your shadow will frighten the fish and they will scurry under the nearest rock. If you approach from the other bank, you do not disturb them. If the kingfisher is a king, then his wife must be a queen, though she goes by her mate's name, just as a pair of Phoebes are each known by the name of Phoebe. Both birds take a hand at the nest building, or rather at the nest digging. They select a suitable place on the face of a clay or sandy bank and dig with their beaks. Here they make good use of their large, heavy heads again. 
As they dig, they push the loose earth out and down behind them. If you have the good luck to come on a pair at work, you will see the dirt rattling down the cliffside. One bird digs until it is tired, and then its mate lends a hand, or we should say a beak. In this way, a tunnel, six or eight feet long, is made in the earth wall. Just how long, it is hard to say. It is safe to say it is some longer than a boy's arm, as the boy will find out should he attempt to measure it with the intention to steal the eggs or young ones. The boy will hardly reach the nest chamber, but he will go far enough to wish he hadn't tried. Kingfishers often line their tunnels and the nest chambers with bones and things they have swallowed, which their stomachs have no use for. Of course, these things decay and make a very unpleasant odor, as well as disagreeable stuff to handle. The kingfishers dig their tunnels sloping upward, so the rain from above soaking down through the soil will run out and not drown the young birds. When the tunnel is long enough, the mother lays as many eggs as the space at the end will hold. There may be six or eight, and here the birdlings are hatched quite naked. They are fed on the best fish to be caught and grow rapidly. In a few days, they get their first coats of feathers. Most swimming and diving birds have a coat of down all their lives under their outside feathers. It keeps them warm. Kingfishers are said to keep the same nesting place for years where they are not disturbed. Of course, they must have a house cleaning at times, else the tunnels would get filled with litter. As to this, we need not bother ourselves, for the kingfishers know their own business. Should the young birds be taken from the dark, snug nest, they will creep into any hole, as the baby woodpeckers do, up your sleeve, into your shoes, under a board, or into a crack. However, it is no easy matter to get the young. The old birds will tumble along the ground and make believe they are drowning in the edge of the water until they have taken you far from the nest when they will suddenly fly away with that loud rattling scream of theirs. This loud scream is the only song of the kingfishers. Even in their courting days, they probably think it is musical. They are said to be fond of slow, solemn music. Sailors make it for them. The birds sitting in the ship's rigging, looking gravely down on the deck and listening. Sailors and fishermen tame the birds by tossing fish to them. The kingfishers return at the same hour each day, either to the sea beach or the boat's side, just as our garden birds return for their meals to the table we set for them. In some parts of England, the country people have a strange sort of weathercock in their houses. They skin a kingfisher and stuff the skin with spices, leaving it to dry in the sun. Then they tie it by its beak to the rafter overhead in their humble homes, so it can turn freely about. They say the breast of the bird always turns to meet the wind. Of course, any bird stuffed and dried and hung by its beak to the rafter would turn breast to the wind. It is on the same principle that your windmill, set up in the woodshed, turns face to the wind. End of chapter 8